You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. And we're going to continue this morning um, talking about the subject we started last week, uh, plugging into grace. And I just had, you know, such a few minutes last week. By the way, you guys just blessed Joseph and Malaya last week. They were just blown away by the gifts that you brought toward their water system that they're working on and their tickets home. Uh, It was really cool to see their kids just believing for all of that along with them. But they were just tremendously blessed. Joseph, I believe, went home this week. Malaya's staying uh, she has family down in Montrose. She used to live up here. She's staying for another month or so. <clears throat> but um, anyway, keep them in your prayers. Keep that whole ministry in Togo in your prayers. It's, it's again, really good ground uh, for us to be sowing into. They're doing a lot of great things. If you weren't here last week and you want to catch up on that, it's on the uh, YouTube uh, or I don't know if it's on the podcast. I would think it is. I don't know exactly where they cut the podcast, but it would be on the YouTube channel for sure. All right, you ready to talk some more about grace this morning? Let's uh, go back over to Romans chapter 5. Again, this is uh, Romans 5.2. This is just one of these little tiny verses. It's so easy for us to read through. And and I'm going to start here. And what I really want to do this week is just get us more grounded in grace and what it's about. Um. For most of us, probably, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, of course, where everybody came to the Lord, what kind of background you came out of, but at some point, if, if you were born again, you committed your life to Jesus and invited him into your life, then more than likely, somewhere along the way, you started hearing the term grace. Some of you might have heard it from the time you were little kids, but honestly, I mean, I'm sure I had heard the term growing up, but I think it was a compl- once I began to understand, I think it was a completely new concept. The idea that what God gives us and what God has for us and everything that Jesus died to make available to us, that all of that is given through grace. It is a free gift. It, it not only we haven't earned it, it can't be earned. It's impossible to earn what Jesus gave to us. We had to come to realize that, and and honestly, for a lot of us, this took some wrestling. I've seen people wrestle hard with the ideas we're going to talk about this morning because most of us were raised, and and here's where we've got to make a, a separation in our thinking. Most of us were raised, and in parts of life, very appropriately, we still live in a setting where we merit what comes to us. We go out and earn a paycheck. And if we're a good employee, we get advancement. And if we're a lousy employee, we don't get advancement, or maybe we get fired. And, it, and so we're earning that position. For, for some, when you went to college, that was partially merit-based, that you got into a certain program or, or a certain college. And that is correct in this earth. That, that is a, 
That's a fine system. But with God, it doesn't work that way. We have to separate our thinking because if, if we try to bring the concept of, well, the one in charge should just give us everything, whether we merit it or not, we try to bring that into the workplace, it doesn't work at all, nor should it, okay? We're seeing that starting, I'm not even going to go there. We're, we're seeing that attitude invade our society and it's causing huge problems in the workplace. But uh, with God, everything we receive comes out of an unconditional love that is, get this, you might want to write this down, unconditional. It is not conditioned on who we are, what we have done, God loves every human being, even those who will never, ever give him the time of day that breaks his heart because his love for them is just the same as his love for Jesus Christ, his son. God is love. He moves in this unconditional love that is not based on the, the recipient. It is based on him and who he is and pouring that out freely. So we so with God everything that we ever receive is it's within relationship. It is seed time and harvest. It is vine and branches. It is a loving relationship with the Father and he pours out to us. And so this whole concept of grace I have seen a couple of different people well a number of people on some level but there was one woman years and years and years ago that had been raised in a very legalistic um, denominational setting where, you know, they had, they had dietary restrictions. They had, uh, you know, you have to worship on the right day. You have to do it this way. You have to dress this way. There were all these regulations and those regulations were presented as if you do all these things, then you're okay with God. If you don't do these things, you're not okay with God. I mean, it was the definition of legalism. And when she came to know grace, she started coming to Believer Center. She got born again. Her husband got born again. They started hearing the message of God's grace. She literally broke down. I mean, she had a nervous breakdown. She had to be hospitalized because her world, her, her world was built around that. If I do these things, then I'm okay. I'm a good person. And, and so when all of a sudden, it wasn't that nobody was saying those things are wrong. Some of those dietary things are real healthy. Okay, some of those, it's, it's all fine. Some of, the, some of the dress was modest. It was fine. I mean, there was nothing, no, that was not the message that was being preached. The message was to, to receive from God, we receive by faith that plugs into grace. We've got to understand God's not tallying up your good works and your bad works. And, and we're trying to balance that whole thing out, which n none of us can do. Well, she was, she, found that she was so secure in this life that she'd built up that it really threw her. I mean, it was, I'd never seen anybody go through something like that before. And honestly, I don't know the end of the story. I know there was a lot of ministry went forth for her. She wasn't, I wasn't the one that was on the team that was ministering to her personally. I don't know the end of the story. 
but but we've seen different examples like that where where people were so used to the idea that if I do certain things, then God loves me. And if I don't do those things, God doesn't love me. And we're unable to make that connection into the fact that, no, it's, it's not that what we do doesn't matter. It absolutely does. Living a holy life matters. But the scripture tells us that righteousness, which is our revelation, it's, it's a position that has been given to us because of who Jesus is, not because of who we are. It's a position of right standing with God that is given to us because of the cross and our faith in the cross, not because we do all the right things. It's a position of acceptance. It's a position that allows us to come before God. It's a, it's a position, even on our worst day, even when we sin, why are we able when we sin, to go before God and repent and ask his forgiveness because we have because of grace. Grace opens the door for that. Otherwise, it would be over. As soon as we sin, it would be over. But the blood of Jesus is much greater than that. And so it's because of righteousness, because we have this position before him, then we understand that we can approach him even when we've sinned. We can approach him at any time. We can look him in the eye even when we have sinned because our position in him is not based on anything that we have done. It's only based on what he has done. So those types of concepts, you know, this is on the one hand, this whole idea of grace, probably all of us have been quoting for for years, well, grace is the unmerited favor of God. Okay, turn the page. You know, and that's true. It is the unmerited favor of God. But what does that mean? What does that do? What does it carry? What does it bring into our life? And that's what I want to talk. I want us to look a lot more deeply at grace. And here's here's why this verse, this little passage right here says, through him, through Jesus, we have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. Okay, that's a mouthful right there. Through him, we have, get this, we're, let's, let's take it from the back, all right, from the, from the end of that sentence. We stand right now because of him firmly and safely and securely. What's that mean? That's, that means the state of grace in which we live, the state of God's favor, the condition, the, the realm, the environment of God's love and blessing and favor for us, it's unshakable. We stand there firmly. Not a one of us, I should ask, I guess, are there sinless people in here this morning? Is anyone sinless? No? Okay, good. Then I'm talking to the right people. Okay, if we were sinless, that wouldn't mean that much. But we're not. We're, we're little mud people, and God knows that. He formed the mud and put his spirit in that mud. Okay, he knows who we are. He knows we're but dust. He gets all of that. And again, I started to say, that's where I lost my train of thought. It's not that our behavior doesn't matter. But our behavior doesn't change God's view of us when we're in Christ. It doesn't change 
God's love for us. We don't fall out of relationship when we sin and then get back into relationship when we repent. All right? Our our behavior matters because it, it matters about how much of that free grace, that free blessing, that favor in which we firmly stand, it matters because it's, it's like a flow, like a river of God's blessing coming off of that throne because of what Jesus did. And we can stand right in the middle of it by walking in him and loving him. We're never going to be perfect, but we can experience so much of that blessing, so much of his favor, so much of just knowing him better and better and better. That all comes through grace. And it's like this flow and we can either live a different way and live according to worldly principles, worldly wisdom instead of godly wisdom. We can live that way and we can stand over here on the bank and our place is still in there, but we're just not living in it. We're not experiencing it. Doesn't change God pouring it out. Doesn't change who he is. It doesn't change our sin never changes God, but it does change us. It affects us. It hardens our heart. Even just our, you know, I mean, even the gray areas of sin where it's just that, well, what I'm doing or the way I'm doing it, it's not of faith in God. It's it's of faith in a worldly system. It's of faith in somebody else. That technically is sin. It might not be an overt sin like we're used to thinking of sin, but all of those things, they don't separate us from the love of God because that comes by grace, but they do separate us from some of what he has for us. Does that make sense to you? If we're not in a position to receive the gift, we don't receive the gift. And the gift has something in it. I hope this is making sense. But it, but so this scripture says that we're standing firmly, safely, securely in this, re- I love that. I love the Amplified here. The, this remarkable state of grace. It is remarkable. It is mind-blowing when we think about it. It is, and, and I've been in this for a long time now, and it still blows my mind. Maybe my mind is easily blown, but it's just some of these truths about Jesus are just they're they're unimaginable except for knowing who he is. They're they're just amazing. So it says we're standing firmly, securely, safely in this amazing state of grace, and yet through him we have access by faith. That doesn't just refer to we access this state of grace when we put faith in Jesus. Okay, that's, that's a truth. But this goes on, this relationship between grace and faith goes on. And that's what we're going to look at. Everything we ever receive comes by faith, and it must be plugged into by everything. Did I say faith? Everything we ever receive comes through grace. I've got... 12 different directions going through my head right now. I can only deal with about six. Uh, it comes through grace, and each, each part of it is accessed by faith. It's like if we're standing in a pool of water, and we're in the pool, but we have to reach in and take the water to quench a thirst. We have to access the water. We're in it. 
but we have to access one of these God things. I think he just loves doing this because it mixes up our brains. You know, we have all these really lousy illustrations of this that we use all the time because we don't have any better ones. It's like everything that Jesus died to give us, every promise is yes and amen, all those kinds of things. They are in a heavenly account. But it is faith that is the ATM card that plugs in and receives what's already ours. It's ours by grace, but we have to plug in through faith. There's a relationship between faith and grace that's never going to change. And so it's, it's all ours, and that's a great place to settle. That's a great place to start and, and get that I don't have to earn it. Not only do I not have to earn it, I can't earn it. It's impossible to earn. I could never measure up to God's standard of holiness. Only Jesus can do that. And God decided that because Jesus did what he did, and I plugged in and said, yes, I accept that work on my behalf. I humble myself. I ask you to come into my life, Jesus, and be my Savior. And because of that, God declared that faith and that plugging into grace to be righteousness, to be a a state of grace in which we stand. Does this make sense to you? So so this is a big verse. And it goes on, and let's just read this, and I've got a few more verses we'll get to today. So it goes on, it says, Let us rejoice. In our hope, I think this is this might be verse three. Anyway, let us rejoice in our hope and confident assurance. That's hope is confident assurance. It is expectation of good coming from God. So let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God. And then that is defined here as the manifestation of both his excellence and his power. Are you stand with me? So it's saying here, here's what grace does. It says, okay, we stand this grace, but through faith, we plug into it. Just like if I'm plugging into the electricity in that wall, it's already there. I didn't earn it. I guess we paid for it. So another bad example. And then, and then uh, but we plug in to receive it. It says, we have this confident hope working in us. And as we plug into that grace, that assurance is of experiencing experiencing. That's a manifestation. That's something that I don't just know about that's in the heavenly realm, but now I'm experiencing the glory of God. The manifestation, get this, of his excellence. You still with me? So I'm going to through, by plugging into grace, by extending my faith into what God has provided through grace, I'm going to experience his excellence. That's his nature. I'm going to know him better. I'm going to experience his love. I'm going to experience his mercy. I'm going to experience the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to start experiencing all of these things that are aspects of his nature in my life and power. So I'm going to start experiencing transformation in my, own, in my own life, being absolutely changed by my connecting with God's grace. I'm going to start experiencing miracles in my life. I'm going to start experiencing healing. I'm going to start experiencing the gifts of the Spirit, which by the way, the word gifts as in gifts of the Spirit comes from the very same word that where we get the word grace. All right. I'm going to start experiencing all those things. Why? Because I'm plugging trust, plugging faith 
into what God has freely provided. And that's the conduit through which all this starts to flow in my life. So everything we ever receive from God, it, it comes by grace. It's given by grace and it's received by faith. And I said this last week, you might've missed it. I was really hurrying. It's not always our faith that plugs into grace. Our faith needs to plug into grace. But many times, this is what intercession is about. It's about praying for somebody else that they would be able to plug into grace. It's about grandma sitting there praying in in the night over her grandkids who are out doing all kinds of things they shouldn't be doing, and yet they survive and, and later come to know the Lord. You know, it's about Aunt Jenny there praying year after year after year for the nephew, you know, so that he doesn't end up going to prison, but instead, you know, or or pulling him out of prison, pulling him into a different life. You get what I'm saying? It's not always our faith, but somewhere when the blessing of God is flowing into somebody's life, somewhere faith is plugging into grace. All right, this is just a, is just a principle that goes throughout. So let me just give you a few facts here. You might want to run, write some of these down. Paul starts virtually all of his epistles praying or declaring, releasing over people, it's saying grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible connects the grace of God with the peace of God. And we understand that that word peace, it's an internal peace. It's not based on circumstances. It is a Greek word that, that means peace that there is a condition of peace because of what Jesus did between God and man. There's not a war going on between God and man anymore. God is at peace with, with humanity. Jesus brought that. Okay, and because of that peace, we can have peace regardless of circumstances. All right, so Paul would pay, pray grace, unmerited favor and blessing, and the ability of God flowing into your life and peace. And then later on, when there was a lot of persecution going on, uh, like uh, I think in, um, I might have this wrong, you can look it up, Timothy and his letters to Timothy, to Titus, maybe Thessalonians. Anyway, there's a few of the later epistles where Paul says, grace, mercy, and peace be given to you. And he links those three together. Many places in the scripture, joy or rejoicing, like we just read, is linked with grace. It, it is, all of these things are connected for us. Joy is, a you know, when we get a revelation of grace, joy, not happiness, joy is the result of that. But Paul connects these and, and uh, mercy so let me just talk to you just for a minute about mercy and grace. Mercy is God's heartfelt attitude toward human misery that is produced by sin. Okay? Where we might get mad, God feels mercy. When when sin when sin produces death, when sin produces hatred and anger and brokenness and sickness and all those things in the earth, out of God's heart comes mercy, all right? So, so mercy is what God feels toward the misery that's in the earth produced by sin. Grace is God's power to deliver from sin. 
Grace is God's ability at work. Remember, the definition is two-part. It is the unmerited favor of God, but it is also the ability of God that flows through that. It is the ability of God to be and to do what we could never be or do on our own. You're going to see that more clearly as we go on with this. That's why the the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, God coming in and delivering somebody, God coming in and healing somebody, God coming in and uh, bringing a word of prophecy, any of those various gifts of the Spirit that we have, those are grace gifts. They are aspects of the grace of God. They are manifestations of his power. They are grace. And we don't, you know, again, we tend to think of grace in real static. It's God's unmerited favor. Yes, it is but it is also a release of his ability. Paul called his, his calling, he said, I was called from my mother's womb by grace. He said, by the grace given to me, I say to you. What does that mean? It means be, I'm an apostle. My office, he says, is a grace. It is given to me. It's a manifestation of something God is doing. It's, it's grace in actions. This makes sense to you. Okay, so like I said, we just got to open our, open our thinking about what grace is. Mercy creates a daily opportunity to live in God's very best. The mercies of God are new every morning. Mercy, God looks at the destructive nature of sin in the earth and he releases mercy. Okay, Mercy is new every morning. It creates an opportunity for God's best. If it wasn't for mercy, all we would have from God is judgment. But because God's heart is mercy, he sees our broken condition. Remember when Jesus looked around and and he looked at all these broken people and all these terrible things going on and he said, you know, they're like sheep gone astray that don't have a shepherd. I mean, he, he didn't say, oh, we're just going to hurl these people into the pit of hell. That wasn't his response. It was mercy. So mercy creates this opportunity. And I guess, oh, I just want to, man, sometimes I wish we could just do the whole thing in tongues. I just can't get it out in English. But it's, you know, every day, no matter where you've been, no matter what other people are doing around you, no matter how bad society looks, no matter what, every morning, God's mercy is new. And so there's a fresh opportunity to expect his very best. So, so mercy creates that daily opportunity. Grace fills that opportunity with tangible experience of God's best. Grace is a flow of divine ability. Grace is a flow of divine power. All right. The Bible tells us that where sin abounds, right? Grace does much more abound. Where sin abounds, we get so focused on sin abounding. And it's hurtful. I mean, you can do that from a, not even from a judgmental heart. You can look around. You can see people's lives being ruined by sin. Ruined. And it breaks God's heart. And so the Holy Spirit in you grieves over that. I'm not even talking about being critical and judgmental and all that kind of thing. But we can look around. Where, but the Bible says where sin abounds, grace just 
increases. It abounds. And then, and then Paul right after, I think that's the end of Romans 5 and then Romans 6, he comes back and he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace can increase? And he says, certainly not. Absolutely not. How can you live in sin anymore when you've been delivered from it and you live in Christ? So he, so he deals with all that uh, weird little tangent that we could go off on. But the, the point is, our good works do not increase the grace of God and our sin does not diminish the grace of God. We may take ourselves out of the experience, but it doesn't diminish what's flowing out of the heart and the throne of God. Does that make sense to you? Okay. All right, let's look at a couple of verses. Oh, we've got a few more minutes. Y'all with me? You still okay? Did I say y'all? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. You guys with me? All right. <clears throat> so everybody knows we're saved by grace through faith. Or hopefully you know that. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. God saved you by... This is the new living. I love this. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. I love this. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So again, salvation isn't a reward for the good things we've done. Salvation enables us to do the good things that God has planned for us. All right, so we are saved by grace through faith. Virtually all of us know that, but we also grow toward maturity by grace through faith. All right, and the book of Galatians, Paul spends some time on this. Let me say that again. You're saved. We all get it. We're, we're saved by grace through faith. But then a lot of times we start to think, and the Galatians started to think, because people were teaching them this, that, okay, yep, I'm saved. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. I'm his child. Now, for me to grow, for me to be transformed, now it's my responsibility. There's a lot of this in a lot of Christianity. There's a lot of this attitude, and it's kind of subtle, but it's under there. Okay, yep, you're saved. That's good. But now, you better do the right works as a Christian. You've got to go out and now you try to act like a Christian. You try. You know, what's a Christian look like? Okay, then you go try to do that in your own ability. As soon as we do that, we're bringing legalism into it. Instead, we need to understand, no, we grow toward maturity by the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in us. Our focus stays on Him and He bears fruit through us. And it's all by grace as we plug into him with faith. Let me read these to you. Galatians chapter 3 verses 2 through 5. You might want to write that down. I don't have any of these on the screen for you this morning. Galatians 3, 2 through 5. This is from the Amplified. This is Paul talking to the Galatians. Again, people had come, what had happened was people had come along behind him. He taught them about grace, about faith, about making, you know, salvation by Christ alone. And then people came in uh, from from the uh, Judaizers, people who wanted them to follow the law. And they came in and said, yep, you're right. You're saved by grace. You're saved through Jesus Christ. But you still got to keep the law. You still got to keep the feasts. You've still got to do all these things or you're not right with God. So, yep, you're saved. 
but you still have to do all this. Otherwise, you're not right with God, all right? So that's what Paul's addressing here. He says, this is all I want to ask of you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit as a result of obeying the requirements of the law, or was it the result of hearing the message of salvation and with faith believing it? How did you receive the Holy Spirit? How did you get born again? It's what he's asking. The Holy Spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming to dwell in them. How'd you do that? Was it by believing the gospel, plugging faith into grace, or was it by you keeping the whole law? And of course, the answer is, well, it was I got, I got saved by putting faith in the report that I heard. We're not going to get there this morning, but when we start looking at examples in the scripture of places where people are plugging in to grace, through faith, all right? We're going to see that that process, that faith in us is the result of hearing the word of God. It's the result of hearing what God has said, what God is saying. That's where faith comes from. And he's asking him that. He said, was it from hearing the message of salvation and then with faith believing it? They heard the report, they believe it. So they, so they all presumably answer, yep, we received the Holy Spirit by believing the message, okay? Then he says, are you so foolish and senseless having begun your new life by faith with the Spirit? Are you now being perfected and reaching spiritual maturity by the flesh, that is by your own works and efforts to keep the law? So he's asking me, saying, look, you're admitting you got saved in this way, plugging faith into grace. Are you so foolish as to think that now you're going to grow to maturity? a different way, by keeping the law, by doing the good works, by doing all the do's and don'ting all the don'ts. Is that how you're going to grow? He says, if you've suffered so many things, he's talking about their persecution for believing the gospel. Have you suffered so many things and experienced so much all for nothing, if indeed it was for nothing? So then, does he who supplies you with his marvelous Holy Spirit and, get this, supplies you with the Holy Spirit and works miracles among you, Does he do that as a result of the works of the law which you perform or because you believe confidently in the message you heard with faith? So the point of all of that is we need to have in our brains, we need to have in our hearts the same way I got saved, which was having a revelation of who Jesus is, hearing the gospel, having that divine connection with him and exercising my faith toward what he was providing. That same way, every step of my growth and maturity is going to happen that way. Not by me taking over and trying to do it by my own human effort. So here's what I think. This is just me. There are times in my life, I've told you this before, where I know I'm off track on something or I'm, uh, I'm doing something. I've built a habit I want to stop. I can think of cookies. Uh, you know, something gets out of hand in my life. that I know this is not the way God wants me to live. So at times, I put myself, I, I've always had the term, I tell Karen, okay, I'm going into boot camp on the sweets and on the, you know, it could be something else, but usually, <laughs> usually, on the sweets, on the overeating, on the snacking, whatever it is. Boot camp. 
that means I am standing up and telling myself, no more of this, okay? Cut it off, it's done, no more of it. And when I, for me, that works. When I do that, then I can get through the cravings and all that and get on the other side. However, in all of that, even as I restrict myself in that way, so what I'm trying to say is there is a place for self-discipline. We're not saying there's no place for self-discipline here, but we have to know that the only way for transformation to where, like what happened with alcohol, if God hadn't come along, he delivered me from alcoholism, I could still have a beer now and then or whatever at that time in my life. It was no big deal. There was no pull. I didn't get drunk. It was just no big deal. God had dealt with that level. Later, he told us there's no more place for this at all, so we don't drink at all. Fine. But had that not happened, if we had not been gone and the Lord had not come in and said, there's no more place for this for you, I probably could have done that for the rest of my life. Like many of you do. You have wine with dinner. You have a beer here and there. It's no big deal. You're not out of control with it. Where I find myself out of control with something, and usually it's sweets, then then I have to do boot camp. Okay, so that's self-discipline. There is a place for that, but that's not where my ultimate trust is, what I'm trying to say. My trust is in plugging faith into grace. And for transformation to happen to where I never have another issue with it, which apparently I have not reached, I have to use this principle. It has to be by the Spirit and by the Word for us to really change. Otherwise, we're just living our life in restraint. We're just living our whole life in restraint, and God has better than that. He has transformation for us. So I'm not saying here There is no place for self-discipline. Self-discipline is one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's it's an ability of God in us to to live a disciplined life. There absolutely is a place for that. But we can't trust in our flesh and our resistance and our willpower and that kind of thing. Otherwise, we're just eliminating this whole power of grace. Okay, we've got time for just a couple more. Okay, it's, we all know it's impossible, or we've said over and over, it's impossible to deserve or merit God's blessing and favor, all right? It is, grace is unmerited favor. It's impossible for us to earn it, okay? Those things, everything he did is given to us as a free gift. Romans chapter four, verses four and five. Romans four, verses four and five. It says, now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, okay? But as an obligation. So, so the idea is, and again, we can take this into the earth. When you go and you do put in your time and you work and you get a paycheck, you don't, you don't go and say, oh, thanks for the gift, boss, you know? No, you worked for it. You earned it. In the earth, that's okay, all right? In, in the earth, that's fine, But we don't confuse the idea of something we earned with a gift. A gift is a gift, and something we earned is not. This verse goes on and says, However, to the man who does not work, this is talking about spiritual things, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. So his faith is is credited to him. It's put into his account as righteousness. We'll see more of that. At a different time. So if you try to earn something from God or you feel like you have to pay it back when God blesses you, all right, then you're missing the point of it being a gift. You're starting to move over into legalism. And some of us have a really hard time with this. I'll just, I think I'll just 
wrap it up with this. <clears throat> and I've told you this story many times. I had this woman years ago, and have this woman. A woman came for counseling. Uh, she was somebody I was counseling back in Albuquerque many years ago. And we had reached a point in it where I was just, I didn't know where else to go. And I was just actually that morning, I was going to tell her, I don't know, you need somebody better than me. I, the, you know, I have nowhere else to go with you. I don't know how to unlock this for you. And I was in the shower, I was praying about that. And the Lord told me, tell her she needs to open the gift. And I said, okay, I knew it was God. And so when she came in that morning, that's what I said to her. That was all I said to her was, God says you need to open the gift. And she just broke down in in tears. And it turned out she had a closet shelf full of gifts from her natural father that she had never opened. She was never able to receive a gift from her father because she didn't perceive the love from her father. And there was a lot behind that. But that little key of you need to open the gift changed her life. And when she was able to receive that and open those natural gifts, she was doing the same thing with God. She couldn't receive what he had for her to change her and to set her free from all these areas in her life. And and it was, and I had no, I mean, she really broke down. And I was like, you know, I don't know what's going on here, but something. And, uh, but then she started to tell me about all this and it all came out. And so after that, we started to talk about grace. Started to talk about everything. We've got grace requires us to be able to open the gifts from our Father and receive them just with a thank you. It it builds humility in our lives because we have to say thank you for something we absolutely know we don't deserve. We have to remember Jesus deserved it and it's given to us. We have to we have it builds humility and gratitude in our lives, the ability to simply say thank you. And there's so much power right there. That's part of plugging your faith into grace is being able to simply say thank you for what you have poured out that I do not deserve, but Jesus does. It's not about me. It changes our lives to have that place right there. If you're in this place where you always feel like, oh, God did this for me. Now I've got to pay it back. Now I've got to go out and do some better things. Now I've got to, if, if it's a gotta, rather than just an expression of gratitude and freedom and all of that, then you're not really receiving the gift. The first place is just to say thank you and then allow whatever he's giving to motivate you a different way in life if that's the way that's supposed to go. I hope this made sense. Let's stand up this morning and pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just, I know that, Lord, for many of us in this place, we've come a long ways in this, but there's more. There's more ability for us to have the kind of relationship with you that we see Jesus walk in in the earth. Lord, to have that level of openness and that level of confidence in our position in you, just like Jesus had, because that's our position. We are seated in him at your right hand. That's just amazing. And so, Lord, I I just pray it's only, it's got to be by your spirit. It's only by your spirit, Lord, that we can 
grow, that we can separate some of the things we need to separate in our thinking and that we can grow in our ability to freely receive and freely give, Father. And so I pray that this morning for all of us, that we be people who can freely receive and freely give and just live and rejoice in the place that we have in you. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, as we're going out of here today, we'll be up here. And Bonnie's going to come up. She's ready to pray for you. I'm ready to pray for you. If you have, if you have a need, if you have healing, or you have healing, you have sickness in your body, or whatever you need healing for your body. If you uh, need to get something straight with God, if if uh, you have a situation in your life you want prayer for, please come up after. We'll be up here for a few minutes, ready to pray for you. Okay. Say this on the count of three, Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world and will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.